I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And today we are going to be discussing the fourth episode of the sixth season of Supernatural titled Weekend at Bobby's. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, so I just want to go on the record and say this is exactly what I was pitching when I was like, we should just follow Bobby as the main character. <laughs> You're like, Bobby should be the protagonist. Fuck what them Winchester boys uh-huh, are doing. Yeah. And I just want to say, I am so fucking mad that we got this, but it was a Darwin Mofflin episode. <laughs> I am fucking pissed. This is why when August and I were looking at their episode list, we were like, this is wild. Like, they have some bangers, but, like, also... At what goddamn cost. Right? Like, for every weekend at Bobby's, there's another two bloody after-school after specials. specials. For every dark side of the moon, there is fucking after-school special. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Although, here is the thing about this episode. I think that the reason that this Darwin Laughlin episode actually kind of slaps is because it was written with the intent that Jensen Ackles was going to make his directorial debut and he wasn't going to be in the episode very much. So they had very limited opportunities to mischaracterize Dean. True. They had very Mm. few opportunities. And honestly, I think they still managed to do it. Yeah. Because the part where Dean calls Bobby selfish, I'm like, get fucked. He's really out here writing this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think for a Darwin Lothman episode, which notoriously fall on the metronome of like, could slap, could be horrible. Yeah. This like, definitely falls closer to slapping. And it's just wild that this is the concept that Darwin Lothman wrote. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not used to... Enjoying their concepts. <laughs> yeah. Did you like Jensen's directing? I'm not going to lie. I did watch this not knowing that Jensen Ackles directed it. Mm-hmm. But like... I thought it was good. I'm not going, oh my god, wow, prodigy. But like, <laughs> it was good. Like, it was solid. There was like, the short choices all made logical sense. I think that the editors this week did an impeccable job. And I think that editors being able to do an impeccable job is reliant on the director doing their job well enough that they have good material to work with. So I th- certainly think that if nothing else, he clearly had a clear vision. And he managed to execute. do what he needed to do to make sure that it was executed in the way he wanted it to be. I actually really enjoy the direction in this episode. I feel like it stands out a little bit. Obviously, I'm you know aware that it's Jensen, so I'm probably paying a little bit more attention yeah. than I normally would. But I find that in this particular episode, especially with like the montage sequences of Bobby, there are a lot of different like sort of profile shots where a lot of the time we get like tight close ups and stuff, and like very much front on or over directly over the shoulder. This episode, I felt like we maybe got shots that kind of chopped and changed a little bit quicker than normal. We got a few different angles than we maybe normally would. And like like I said before, a few more like profile shots. So I thought that was really interesting. And I very much enjoy the overall production of this episode in particular. I think it's very fun, especially because we have a fair few different locations as well. Like it's very centralized around Bobby's house. But we have, like, the interior, we have the exterior, we have, like, the boardwalk that's in Sioux Falls, we have Marcy's house, we have Marcy's backyard, we've got where Sam and Dean are, yeah. we've got the graveyard, with Bobby's dungeon, I guess, yeah. his basement. His dungeon, what am I fucking talking about? <laughs> There's lots of different places within the episode as well. So I think that's kind of interesting. You look so sincere just there, and I was like, I, I get that you are sincere, but also like <laughs> something about your face, and no one can see it, so that's just a me thing. But again, I want to say for the like, I did actually quite enjoy this episode, which I do hate more than anything because it is a dub episode. <laughs> I love that you've gone from like 
hating that you've enjoyed any episode of Supernatural to being like, oh, I hate this even more so because of who wrote it. It's the Supernatural experience. Yeah. Like, I don't like the idea that maybe Dub could be a good writer. Like, if he wasn't so bad, maybe he could be a good writer. You know what I mean? I genuinely think, as much as, like, you know, we poke shit at Dub, Mm -hmm. I think I've mentioned this before, when it comes to why so many people have a problem with him, a lot of it falls in the end part of the mm-hmm. series particularly the finale and the episodes before that although to be fair 1519 was not dub it was a different or running joy that a lot of people don't like but i personally think a lot of the stuff that happened in the back end of the series was probably a lot of over their head mm-hmm. production stuff and network stuff so that does have an impact as well like as much as i love ragging on dub mm-hmm. here's the thing and this is what i want to say for the record because i feel like i do i rag on dub a lot and i think to be fair I rag on Darb a lot because I think it's a really funny joke. Yeah. Like, if I can blame Darb for something, I'm going to blame Darb for something. Yeah. Darb's probably not at fault, but I'm going to blame him for it. Anyway. It's almost the Jamie Supernatural equivalent of the, like, thanks, Obama. Like, exactly. you know. Like, thanks, Darb. Like, it's, it's his fault. Even though it's probably not, it yeah. is his fault. So, for me, I think what really makes me think less of Darb as a writer mm-hmm is the way he treats Dean and Dean's characterization. Because that's the one element in which that I'm like, oh, I'm consistently like, oh, he doesn't get this character. Like, he seems to really be fixated on this, like, the original pitch of Dean. And he sort of misses all of the nuance that's actually in there. I think it's going to be really interesting to come back to this point, especially in season 15. I, like, really would be interested to see how we roll around that. And there's a particular scene in Darb era that has always sat very badly with me. And I can't remember if he wrote that episode. He very well may not have, but it falls within his era, which means he had the final kind of creative say. He could have nixed it if he wanted to. And I hate it personally. But in any case, that's getting well ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Did you have any way you'd like to start with this episode? Any particular scene or concept? I want to start with a concept, mm-hmm. and this is a concept that I think – I'm just going to say it here now. After recording with Noah, I think it is a shame <laughs> that we did not have Noah on for this episode. Yeah. Because low-key evil Bobby, like <laughs> – and I want to be clear here. He's not evil Bobby, but, like, low-key. He's torture Bobby. He's torture – like, he was fully torturing that demon to the point – like, he didn't need to torture her like that. Like, this is Mr. You've got to remember there's a human in there, too. Yeah. Like, and he's just like, you know, I'm going to, like... Or, hear me out, I could just set her on fire. It's, like, a fun little sort of thing where it's, like, kind of low-key evil Bobby. Like... It is. He's certainly gotten a a darker twist. Like, Mm -hmm. we often see Bobby in the context of, like, what he's like around the boys. Mm -hmm. And often with the boys, he's, like, the voice of reason. And he's usually, Mm -hmm. like, maybe reining them back a little Mm -hmm. or coming to the table with a bunch of lore and you sort of get the more research side of Bobby. We very rarely get to see him actively engaged in a hunt situation. Mm -hmm. We do have more examples of it coming, which are episodes that I particularly like as well. So I'm excited to get to those. But this one is really the first time we get to see this side of Bobby. And it is very actually named as the episode being Weekend at Bobby's because it is literally just a day in the life of Bobby. Mm-hmm. And it is very fun to be able to see this other side of this character and all of this stuff that he has going on in the day-to-day, which we as the audience and also Sam and Dean by default just completely miss because we're not watching Bobby. We're watching Sam and Dean. Vigorous nodding <laughs> is occurring. <laughs> 
oh, I just, I feel like there is, like, I can't add anything to that. Like, that yeah. is, you yeah. know, you know what I can add to this episode. What? My PSA of the day, Bethany. What do you think it is this week? Mm, okay, I didn't really have one. Mm-hmm. And the only one that's, like, springing to mind is, like, very generic. And we've probably, like, covered before. But mm-hmm. I don't really have any other guesses. So... I'm going to suggest that you should try to build good relationships with your children. I'm thinking about Fergus and I'm thinking about, what's this kid's name? Um, I wrote it down, Gavin. I'm Mm. thinking about Crowley and Gavin here. You know, they both outwardly loathe each other and it's (laughs) a bit intense if I'm being honest. That is not it at all. Yeah, I didn't think it would be. I'm very rarely correct. (laughs) My PSA of the day is use some fucking manners. If someone's doing you a favour, just say thank you. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. You're correct. No notes. No notes. Thank you. Obviously not. The other thing is that is not my PSA for the day, but does fall remarkably close to that scale, and I would have used it, except for I can't, by my own rules, use this as a thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't trade your soul for an extra three inches on your penis. Oh, my God. I know. I cannot believe. Here is the thing, right? We know in our you know, very fictional writer's team breakdown, Yeah, right, that Sarah Gamble and Ben Edlund are on the same team. Yeah. This is the first time Crowley has been written by anyone who wasn't Sarah Gamble or Ben Edlund. Yeah. And this is the episode where they made it so that Crowley was so fucking petty that he sold his entire soul for three extra inches of dick. I personally, like, I think it's a funny joke. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also think that it is so out of character. It's such a bad piece of character. It's a funny joke, but it's such a bad piece of characterization. Yeah. The Darb effect. <laughs> it's sexualized too. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's just this completely unnecessarily sexualized and mm. it doesn't really, like, I understand why they did it. It just somehow feels inherently joke. wrong to Crowley. Though. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, like, this was back when he was a human so this he's a different character at this yeah. point because it's been hundreds of years and he was literally tortured and he's a demon now. Like, he has become very different to he's what we can He's become the king of hell. We get confirmation yes. in this episode that he's had a promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, we get a lot of crowning lore in this episode, mm-hmm. which, honestly, I don't know how I feel about because I feel like it maybe should have come from Ben Edlund. Like, this mm-hmm. is his character. And I get, I get that they're sharing. Like, mm-hmm. this is a communal dollhouse and everyone gets a turn to play. But I don't know. I don't know how much I love it, particularly because it's Dabamon. I feel like if Jeremy Carver mm-hmm. or Sarah Gamble... Someone who's historically on the same team as Edward. Yeah, had added a couple of flourishes, then I would maybe feel better mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, I just think that it was a little... Unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. But in saying that, we get a lot of Crowley Lord this episode. Mm-hmm. So yes, he's being promoted. And also, we get that his full name is Fergus Roderick McLeod. A choice and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, an interesting name in the sense that it's just very formal. I think it's so funny, though, that his name is Fergus and he named his kid Gavin. <laughs> like, there are such different vibes. <laughs> it's so funny because Gavin, to me, is such a tradie name. Yeah. Like, Gavin, to me, is actually just Gav and he's a Sparky. Yeah. You know, like, there's no question in my mind that Gav is a Sparky. You know, you've got Gav the Sparky and then yeah. you've got Steve-O the Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And they've been in, like, a mad war. Oh, yeah. On the trade site. Yeah, then with Jono the Plumber. Yeah, Jono yeah. the Plumber. 
And that's not even talking about Marco, the fucking jip rocker. Yeah, or Lockie who, the cementer. Or Lockie the cementer, who keeps on fucking fucking up their bullshit. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, you, you know Marco. He's fucked off with everyone else because they keep on leaving holes in his goddamn walls that they're expected to come back and fix. But Created a whole fucking fictional yeah. world. That was straight up fanfic. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so we have that he's king of hell. His name is Fergus Roderick McLeod. We get that he was a tailor. In we also life. get that he's apparently Scottish. Yes. But he sounds like Mark Shepard. I know. <laughs> I love the one. I had very athletic calves. But that comes off the back of Dean being like, did you really used to wear a skirt? And it's like, come on, bro. Also, we have a line from Dean, which is weird. When they're at the graveyard yeah. and they're threatening to burn Crowley's bones, mm-hmm. Dean says, that's me flicking my bick for you. And I know that a bick is the lighter, but it sounds a little too much like flicking the bean. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a little too... Though, to be fair, this episode is just full of kind of gay things, like... Well, Crowley's in it, so... Crowley's in it. And Dean's in it, mm-hmm. so... And also, it's gay to give another man a ring, right? <laughs> right? I love the fuck he's like, I'm asking for a ring. I'm like, you want him to propose? Oh my god. <laughs> Bobby Rufus truth is rise up. Actually, that's a great point. We get so many good side characters in this episode as well. So obviously Crowley's there. We also get the return of Jody. And mm-hmm. I fucking love Bobby and Jody. Their interactions are so good. And particularly when she like gets rid of the Fed and like sends him outside. And he's like, why did you send him outside? She's like, well, I figured you wouldn't want him in here. He's like, yeah, I don't. I've got a body in the basement. She's like, that's my point. He's like, yeah, but there's another body buried in the yard. And she's like, for fuck's sake, Bobby. Stop burying bodies. He's just so funny. Like, I love Jody. We also get our first mention of Garth. Mm-hmm. This episode? We do. Garth is, was on the phone mm-hmm. and he clearly knows Bobby. And I'm excited to meet Garth. Like, I've heard good things. Yeah. You know? I, well, I mean, the only interaction we get from him this episode is Bobby saying, yeah, that doesn't sound like our kind of thing. Better drop a line to the FBI, hanging up, picking up the phone labelled FBI, and saying, no, Garth, not me, the FBI, the <laughs> real FBI. How are you still alive? What this does suggest, see, here's the thing. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to get Garth until, like, season 10. Oh, you know? no, Garth's like, a bit sooner than that. Like, so this is making me think that we'll probably either get Garth this season or next season. Like, I feel like we're going to get Garth in this era. I was thinking, like, season 8, season 12. Se- like, you know, like, so I thought he end. was in the back end of it, not in the first half. Because we are still technically in the first, first half, and we will be all the way through Gamble era. I feel like you could call the halfway point between... 7 and 8. 7 and 8. Like, yeah. that seems like the logical Well, because 15 is an odd number, so it's like yeah. 7.5 is the midway point. What I will say about Gamble Era, and one of the reasons why I am typically a little fonder of it than I think a lot of people are, is because I would argue we get the introduction of some of the best secondary characters in this era. Garth like, included? Garth included. We also, I don't mind telling you that... Well, here's like, the thing. Whether we meet him or not, we've technically already met him. Because you know a lot of these characters already, mm-hmm. I don't mind telling you that we get them in this era, but like we obviously get more Jodie this era, we get Garth this era, we get Charlie this era, we get Kevin this era. Like we get so many of our favourite characters this era. And they're finally straying away from the Eric Kripke, like they are manly men, they must rely on themselves and themselves they're not allowed alone. to have friends. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We really divert from that. And so as much as I miss a lot of our season one Winchester friends, like Ash and Ellen and Joe, we get so many good ones. And all of these characters are so individual. 
Mm. Like, no two of them feel the same flavour. And, like, I know that that was one of the issues you had in Crippy era was, like, we got a, so a lot of, like, good female characters, but a lot of them were very cookie-cutter, felt the same. Like, Meg, Ruby, Lilith all feel yeah. vaguely the same. All of these characters feel very individual. Mm. Like, I love Kevin and I love Charlie. Mm. These two characters are nothing alike. Garth is nothing alike again. Jody is nothing alike again. So it's very fun to get all of these extra characters introduced. And, you know, we've talked before, the best Supernatural is is typically when the dynamic of Sam and Dean is interrupted mm. with another character because it makes it feel more refreshing. Yeah. It no longer just feels like, oh, we've done the same episode four million times. Like, mm-hmm. it's a nice way to break up, you know, sort of what you're seeing. It's a nice way to break up the dynamic it's a nice way to even just throw the brothers slightly off their game because I know you say a lot in Leverage it feels like the team can never lose. Mm-hmm. It feels like Sam and Dean can never lose because it's like they've got so much plot armour yeah. on them that it's like they've both been to hell and they're now no longer in hell. They both literally got shot and went to heaven and the angels are like, we don't like that, we're going to shove them back. Like yeah. it just feels like there is no real lasting consequences because – there can't be. There can't the be because of the nature of the show. So as soon as you throw in a third person with the dynamic, it suddenly feels like, oh, well, we might not lose Sam and Dean, but we could lose this other third character that we really like. Yeah. It's also, I think, a case of, like, even when Sam and Dean are winning, they're also kind of losing. So, like, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they're losing when they're losing because even if they'd won, they would have mm-hmm. lost. And vice versa. Like, it doesn't really feel like they've won anything ever either because they've always lost something too. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it just, it kind of evens out to like this sort of neutral zone of like, are oh, you winning, son? And they're like, I don't know, dad. <laughs> they're doing something. <laughs> Something's happening. <laughs> Not sure what. But yeah, so we have, oh, we, we have Rufus, obviously, we mentioned before. And I love Bobby and Rufus. They're so fun. What a peak dynamic. They really are. Like, literally Rufus just arriving with no warning going, oh, good, you're home. You've got to help me bury your body. And Bobby's like, like a resigned sigh. The thing that really stood out to me, though, was the bit where they're talking about whatever monster Rufus has killed. And he's like, you stabbed it seven times, right? And he's like, no, it's five. And Bobby's like, no, it's seven. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's five. Do I look like an idiot to you? And Bobby's like, I literally have the proof that you're an idiot. It's fucking risen out of the ground and is still alive. Like, yeah, you know, it's just, I think that's so fun. There were a lot of ways they could have sort of played that, but I love that, like, bickery, bantery, like, backwards and forwards sort of thing. Grumpy old man. Just simply because, like, it it would have been so easy for them to have, like, both of them are super smart and stoic and, like, you know, the the grizzled old hunters. Like, but no, they're both kind of fucking idiots. Yeah. This is why a lot of people, or at least that I've seen, sort of ship Bobby and Rufus a bit, Mm -hmm. just in the sense of, like, they're kind of like an old married couple in the way that they bicker. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very much like, oh, fucking Rufus, I've told you before. Like, he's got to stab him seven times, not five. It's kind of like the how many times have I actually put down the toilet seat? Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same kind of energy, but it's just, like, about monsters, mm-hmm. you know? Or, like, the whole thing where Rufus has gone and stolen the ring and he calls Bobby during the police chase and he's like, <laughs> he's like I'm gonna don't s- you don't- swallow it? I'm going to swallow it. Rufus, don't you fucking... And it's like, you know, at the end he brings it out and Bobby's like, oh, I'm going to boil some water. It's just this air of, like, I... You're so annoying. Like, I'm yeah. so fond of you, but God damn it, like... The podcast. 
Aww. <laughs> Tag yourself in your group as a body. Aww, that's hard. I feel like there are certain fictional dynamics that we map really nicely onto. Like, I'm Barbie, you're, you're Ken. <laughs> like, you know, I'm Cass, you're Dan. Like, I feel yeah. like we map really nicely onto some fictional characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we necessarily map that nicely onto Bobby and, Bobby and Rufus. Rufus, though. The real question is who's Ed and who's Harry? Yeah. This is so stupid. <laughs> but yeah, so we have Bobby and Rufus this episode who are just so delightful. And I also like that we have this bit where Bobby says Crowley mentioned that he liked Craig and Rufus goes on his like little monologue about, you know, the intricacies of this particular drink and Bobby's looking at him like, dang, bro, how do you know that shit? And Rufus is like, what? I'm fucking cultured. Like, how dare you? <laughs> of course I know this shit. Like, naturally. Mm. Oh, I did have a question for you. Mm. That never ends badly. <laughs> never. So we actually get a little bit of other sort of story information this episode, which is not, it's not super explicit, but I'm going to draw your attention to it because mm. I want to know your thoughts. We get some information about monster migration. So we know that in this episode, Sam and Dean are sort of tangentially hunting a monster that's native to Greece. Yes. And the monster that Rufus has killed is Mm -hmm. native to Japan. And so I am wondering, because they make a point in the episode of saying Mm -hmm. like, oh, don't know what's up with monsters recently. Like, this is so Mm -hmm. whack. Where are they coming from? Do you have any thoughts, feeling? What these monsters are realizing is that in the apocalypse movie, (laughs) no one remembers any country other than America. So they want to be part of that. Oh, so it's the hype. Yeah, so now they're flocking to America. No, in all honesty, I think it's meant to just be like a sign of like something unnatural is happening, something not right. Like, you know, it's meant to question like, why is Sam back? Did it, like, I think Mm. it's all like that interconnected. Like, they're trying to bring up, build up the mystery of like, clearly someone or something is behind it. Mm. Like, clearly there's a big bad villain behind the scenes, twiddling their thumbs, doing the little like evil mwahahaha mustache yeah you know what i mean like okay this actually is like a nice kind of segue because we actually talked about this just after we finished recording with kj last week which was you kind of said oh i kind of felt like this episode would be a little bit more theorizing and then that conversation just didn't really lend itself yeah to that direction while we're here Mm -hmm. do you have anything that you wanted to talk about plot wise like overarching or otherwise it's it's kind of hard because i feel like i've gotten so much but also so little which is like the supernatural effect Season six is also like, it's probably going to feel a bit like that because you're so used to getting fucking crumbs through Kripke yeah. because it's so spread out, mm-hmm. whereas this is way more condensed. So you're getting a lot more information and a lot more clues mm-hmm. much closer together. Yeah. So at this point of the show, it feels like there is, obviously there's going to be a big bad this season. Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell they're doing a season where it's like, there is no actual big bad. Like they're telling a story. There is going to be a big bad. And whether it is a single character mm-hmm. or like multiple characters working together like an organization or a, yeah. yeah i feel like there is going to be like a figurehead you know like the azazel plot azazel wasn't the big bad no lucifer was lucifer was but like azazel was the figurehead azazel was the big bad because everyone else was kind of like anonymous within that situation like yeah. you know we weren't blaming the demon who possessed brady yeah no for the demon <laughs> Despite the fact that the demon who possessed Brady did have a significant role in it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like I'm leaning more towards like a single big bad rather than like multiple, mm-hmm. um, just based on the way they've sort of framed it this season. I want to be clear though, I don't think that means that we're not going to have multiple conflicts this season. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. 
the angel civil war and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, they're not shying away from the fact no. that there is a lot of political stuff happening, mm-hmm. especially like we know now Crowley's been promoted to King of Hell and he makes a point of saying to Bobby this episode, like the problem with demons is that they're demons and mm-hmm. they're lying and they're cheating and sometimes I think that Lucifer maybe had the right idea and just yeah. fucking anything at all. So obviously stuff's not, not going amazing as King of Hell. Either upstairs or downstairs. downstairs. Like, it's yeah. going kind of to shit since the apocalypse did not happen. Which is not shocking, no. because, like, it's essentially just a revolution. Oh, like, oh, oh consequences for my actions. <laughs> In my supernatural? In this economy? <laughs> On the CW? But, like, it just feels like... They're building on multiple conflicts, but I feel like there's only going to be one big bad villain. Yeah. And I think that big bad villain is going to be whoever is responsible for, like, dragging Sam out of hell Mm -hmm. or dragging Samuel down from heaven, quote-unquote. Still don't believe that he would go to heaven. (laughs) He sounds like a dickhead. And I think that this show has a questionable record about where people go in the afterlife. Yeah. Let's be real. I feel like it's meant to be implied that he was in heaven, but I think... I think he said as much, actually, in the episode yeah. where he was introduced. I think something dodgy's happening. Okay. I don't know if he's necessarily, like, lying or, like, what's happening, but it seems... It you just, think he knows more than he's letting on? Yeah. It, it just seems, like, suspicious. Okay. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Seeing as, like... And I don't really know how else to describe it, so I'm just going to go with the term political unrest in heaven and hell and obviously earth as like a field is kind of stuck between the two where do you think the big bad individual that you're conceptualizing is landing do you feel like they're more in the heaven sphere the earth sphere or the hell sphere because i think you could Mm. argue pretty effectively for any of those three locations at the moment given the turmoil post-apocalypse And by heaven, I'm sorry, by uh, Earth, I more mean a demon that's topside could yeah. potentially, like, that could count towards Earth, I suppose. Yeah. Because, I, you know, the likelihood that it's some random yeah. human. Yeah, it's unlikely. It could be like a gin or something. Okay, like, you yeah, know, so like, like a monster. Yeah, yeah like yeah. a monster of some sort. That's, yeah. Like, and I just I, didn't want you to, like, discount Earth, I suppose, because, like, there are still beings on Earth that mm-hmm. contribute See, to See, if this was leveraged as a TV show, it would be so easy to guess. I could be yeah, like because you could immediately discount two of those. <laughs> so I think I'm inherently at a disadvantage on this. Yeah. Ooh, I think actually I'm gonna say secret fourth option. Secret fourth option. I think it's gonna be something more like like I don't think it's gonna be death, but something like death. Oh. Who's like not really of heaven, not really of hell, not really of earth, but something that sort of overshadows all of it. You're going for like an HP Lovecraft ethereal being mm-hmm. sort of like space whale yeah. kind of scenario yeah space whale that's it <laughs> gotcha you got you're it. really building on your nice yeah. fanfic yeah. <laughs> yeah space whale or maybe even like i know that there's like a purgatory that gets okay introduced introduced later on i don't know just the fact that they managed to pull sam out of hell and samuel out of heaven needs a lot of juice mm-hmm well, we had as much of a discussion way back in season four mm. when it was just like, what the fuck could have even done that? Like, it needs to be something stupid yeah. powerful, basically. Stupid powerful, which I think lends itself to, like, whether it's basing itself out of heaven, hell, or earth, I don't think it's of any of those places. Okay. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. I think it matters less where where it is currently. I think it doesn't really matter. I think it's more important that it's, like... Originated elsewhere. It's originated elsewhere, and it's, like... I, I would say it's probably more powerful than an archangel. Okay. Because, of course, it's supernatural. You've got to up the ante. That's true. So, like, I mean, I guess the other option is, like, it could be a random 
human performing insanely powerful witchcraft. Yeah. Like, especially considering this episode, we get, like, reminded about, like, how powerful witchcraft is because we see Bob, which Bobby. Oh my God, yes. Which Bobby, Bobby doing his spell yeah. casting. Fucking love to see it. Yeah, like, which Bobby is really out here doing it and I'm, I'm loving that for him. Mm-hmm. While we're playing in the sandbox, yeah. do you have anything else you specifically want to theorize about? Because we've got a couple of different plot mm-hmm. directions we've been given so far. Do you have any ideas about anything in particular? I do want to put some specific thoughts on the record because they're the most fun when they come true. Okay. So... I definitely think that Samuel knows, like, way more about what's happening than what he knows about. Mm -hmm. I feel like they could set, like, Crowley up to be the big bad of this season, but I think that based on what they've done so far with Crowley, I don't – like, I think before this episode it was more likely that's what they were setting up, but, like, they've now put him at the head of, like – He's, like, too busy being king. Yeah, he's too busy (laughs) being king to, like, really worry about fucking some shit up. But I do think that the whole stealing monsters instead of just killing them, like mm-hmm. actually kidnapping them and that sort of stuff, is going to be super duper relevant. And I think it's going to be Bobby burning some people when he doesn't really need to burn some people levels of ethical. So we're back to demon slash monster science ethics. Yeah. And- like, so I think that's definitely going to have something to do with it. And I also think I don't know. I'm just inherently like skeptical of the cousins. Like. Yeah, all that's of the cousins. I'm like valid. No offense to the writers or the actors involved intended, but like those I feel characters, like they just, just maybe missed the mark on what the supernatural fan base actually wanted. Yeah, they were just they fell very flat. They felt very two dimensional. We didn't really get any personality from them, and I don't mind telling you, we don't see them beyond season six. Mm. Like, they, they live and die in this season, whether literally or figuratively, I guess you'll find out. Yeah. But they they don't go beyond season yeah. six because, like... Nobody wanted them. Yeah. For all of the I'm fantastic side characters you get in season six and seven. These ones suck. These are, these are. Essentially, by the end of season seven, we've traded all the cousins in for actually good secondary <laughs> characters. Also, I will caveat, I'm, I'm not going to give you a, a yes or no in terms of where Samuel ends for his arc. But I will tell you the cousins because, like, they're not actually very plot relevant, really. I think Samuel's, like, he's absolutely lying about what he's doing to the monsters. He just seems like he's hiding something. And I know that he is definitely literally hiding what he's doing to the monsters. Yeah. But, like, we know that already. We know that already. And we know that that he's working for someone because we've had that phone call. Yeah. Maybe the only other thing that you haven't touched on yet that we've been, like, overtly introduced to this season is the concept of heaven's weapons and stuff that whole thing with balthazar and that whole episode the discussion on souls and stuff and how that is a power dynamic i'm just bringing it up because again like the turmoil between the sort of three spheres that's just another piece of lore that's been introduced alongside these other bits we've just been talking about there's just a lot of shit happening yeah there are a lot of threads that they're putting down it's just waiting to see how they weave together yeah and normally i wouldn't prompt you Mm. so much by being like hey remember they mentioned this Except that they have given you so much information in the last four episodes that, like, I would not be shocked if you forgot. Just because it's, like... It didn't seem the most relevant. Not even that, but just, like, they have given you so much. Yeah, like, like, of all of the shit they've given me, it seems like the least important shit. Like, yeah, because we haven't even... You haven't even mentioned, like, anything to do with Ben and Lisa in this, like, season-long discussion. And I think that's because inherently I don't care about Ben and Lisa. Hot takes. For the record. I really like Lisa. Yeah, Tim and Lisa all the way. I think Lisa is a fantastic character. She's been done dirty. She's been done so fucking dirty. She's way too good for Dean. Like, 
Hundred percent. That's why he should date Cass. Um, <laughs> they're more on each other's level. Yeah, they're both insane. They're both and insane. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like it feels like I don't know. Like they're setting up for her to get mind wiped at the end of the fucking season or some shit like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you know, forget everything about Dean and blah 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 blah. Like you know what I mean? Like it just feels like melodramatic bullshit for no reason. Not to give you an indicator either way, but can you fucking imagine they mind wipe Lisa and then like she goes into her house and just sees the pictures of her and Dean and it's like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> no, see, because here's the thing. That doesn't give me an indicator because... No, I know. That's I'm assuming point, like... whoever mind wiped them also redecorated her place for her. Oh, decoupage. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Zaki Boy is dead. Otherwise, I would theorize Zaki Boy. R.I.P. King. <laughs> you will be missed. I feel like they're setting that up for like, it's going to be a tragedy and he loses Lisa forever. And if they fucking kill Lisa, I will riot. <laughs> because she is too good for this bullshit. She does not deserve to be killed for man pain. Like, that is some fucking bullshit. She deserves to walk away like the queen she is. But, I don't know, I just find the Lisa bed. Like, we get it. He's straight, quote unquote. <laughs> Look on your face when you said that. <laughs> he has a family, quote unquote. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know, it's really like stinking of like, God can be bi, but Dean Winchester is definitely straight. You know what I mean? That's because God was a villain. <laughs> like, that's genuinely, that's how I think they got away with it. Because they were like, well, he's going to be a villain, so we can make him queer because he's a villain. But our protagonist, no, no. Only, only Cass can be gay and only right when he dies. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. As you said before, all of like the weapons of God stuff. I did have a mental image that I am now going to inflict upon you. Oh, I, yay. I love when you do that. It's like a t-shirt cannon, but instead of t-shirts, it's like souls stuffed in. <laughs> like a death ray. Like, I'm imagining a Care Bear stare, but it's just like souls. <laughs> and obviously the way they're going to edit this to show you that the souls is like you know deathly or whatever is yeah. like they shoot the soul and it's you know ethereal and like sort of silvery whitey gray and yeah. it like it hits you in the chest and suddenly you're like there's like so much soul behind you you know knocks the soul right out of them i love this concept of like you're punching someone so hard that their soul literally leaves their body <laughs> like knock their socks off but like knock, but their, like, soul knock out. their souls out yeah but, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like as much as we've been given, we've been given kind of nothing. And I do think there is, like, one big bad at, behind all of it. And I don't know if it's necessarily, like, everything's intentional or, like, ripple effects. Like, everything's a ripple effect from the apocalypse. Like, because of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. hell is at war. Heaven is at war. You've got angels now dropping out of heaven, faking their own deaths, selling incredibly powerful weapons on the streets. To children. Yeah. To children. As you do. As you do. Real John Winchester coded of him. Yeah, we love we love entrepreneur mm. Balthazar. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily think it's going to be Balthazar who's like behind everything. He doesn't feel powerful enough as a character to be anything but like a fun nuisance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Actually, he's another great example of like a fun secondary character. Mm, we get. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if he's going to like make it through the season. He kind of feels like he's been set up to die at some point. I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it just feels like. He's here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, I get I think it. it's the queer coding that's mm. giving me that. But, like, I just feel like they're setting Balthazar up to kind of look like the main villain of the season, but I oh, don't think he is. Okay. And all of, like, the monsters are migrating. 
I don't think that's necessarily someone's like specifically making them migrate or more like the power ripples when they pulled Sam out of the cage or something. Mm. So like whether or not they're like moving towards a source of energy mm -hmm. kind of thing. Which is why we're going to end up on Saturn by the end of the season because that's where the gate is open now and Sam has to jump back in and we don't see him again until season. Got you. That's why his hair's grey because he's been ageing on Saturn this whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have any other like theorisations or anything you wanted to get out before we keep going? I think that's pretty well it. I mean, you don't know Correct me yet. if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've gotten anything else really to theorize about. Like, like for me, like, Dean being so suspicious of Sam is because Sam and Samuel have been raised. Okay. And there is something inherently iffy about them being raised. There's something inherently sinister. They've been raised for a reason, and I don't think that reason is because that's how plots work. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say, hmm, Sam and Samuel are back from the dead. That can't mean anything. Did you, you know? have any further ideas on, like, like they're making it, I think, at this point, they're basically pointing at the audience and going, hey, you, Sam's being weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I think at this point it's kind of like Dean has openly said it yeah. enough times that I yeah. don't think like And again, I think that ties into, like, there's something sinister about the way Sam's back and whether that's, mm-hmm. like, I said a couple of weeks ago, like, he doesn't have a soul, so now he's, like, you know, immoral or whatever. Like, yeah. And again, considering that they've been talking about how souls are like currency, if somebody got their hands on Sam Winchester's soul, mm. pretty expensive currency, I'm going to assume. Or either that or it's <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's either like, oh, it's like really, really valuable, like it's like the diamond, or it's like, I mean, it's interesting to some specific collectors. Like, yeah. they want it in a museum. If they've got a Lucifer match... <laughs> Like, you know, like, Sam Sola's Lucifer match. Sorry, I just love the implication that Sam is an accessory to Lucifer. Like, <laughs> what can I say? Lucifer's, Lucifer's Barbie, Barbie and Sam's just Ken. In case it's not obvious, and it may not be because of the strike, but uh, Barbie just got released. <laughs> like a week ago. And it's topical. But no, so I think Sam has relapsed and he's drinking demon blood again or like yeah. something along those lines. Which honestly, like, mm. would not be shocking given that it's an addictive substance yeah. and the last thing we saw him do before he jumped in the cage was drink fucking liters of demon blood. Just chug a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just like as you do on a Tuesday. A scene where it's like Sam, Megan, Ruby all at a bar and like Megan Ruby is sitting there going, chug, chug, chug. <laughs> Here's the thing, I can't think of any other options why Sam would be acting weird. Other than, like, just general trauma PTSD. Other than just, like, general. But I don't think that's what it is. I feel like they've spent too much time pointing it out for that to be what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, But I feel like there's also, like, secret third option that the writers haven't thought of yet. You know what I mean? Like, like they know what they're like doing. They're lining something up, but they just haven't decided. Yeah. I love this concept where it's Or like, they've decided, but the audience is not privy to it yet, and it's not something that we've previously seen. Well, this idea that the writers just have, like, a little hat in the middle of the desk and, like, they're setting up something's off with Sam, but, like, they're just picking out of the hat at random what that something could be. <laughs> like, yeah. they get to the reveal episode and they're like, what has been wrong with Sam this whole season? Let's find out together. Didn't eat enough mushrooms. <laughs> Lacking in fiber. Constipated the entire season. <laughs> Sam is lactose intolerant. <laughs> That's why he looks so constipated. He's just gassy. Yeah, I think that the what is up with Sam has like a couple of different options. And I think either it's trauma, mm-hmm. which seems unlikely to me considering the amount they've pointed it out. It's 
something to do with the way he was raised from hell, not from by Joel. <laughs> Just checking. I mean, it, it is could be both. The trauma is the being raised by John. Yeah. So yeah. this is from hell. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be like something that we haven't seen yet. Here's the thing with supernatural: it's like at any point they could hit you with law that they have not covered previously. <laughs> like Sam is sweaty. <laughs> Like, that they have not covered previously, but they're just making this shit up so it makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I want to be clear here. I'm not trying to say that all law reveals are bad. I'm just saying, in the Leverage universe, everything has to be feasibly possible for a human. Unless you're Parker. In which case, you're superhuman when mm-hmm. it comes to tight spaces, drops, and temperature. Exactly. <laughs> But, like, that's also... It's a bit. It's a bit. It's established. It's a bit. But you're still working within the limitations of the room. Mm-hmm. They can make up whatever the fuck they want. Maybe Sam is a werewolf now. Oh. That's fun. You know what I mean? Madison like, Core. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe Sam's secretly a vampire now. Mm. Like, there are all of these things where it's like, oh, well, literally anything could be wrong with Sam. Yeah. It could be something that we've seen before, like being a werewolf or being a vampire. Ghost sickness. Or... Ghost sickness. Or... It could be something completely random that they haven't made up yet. It's funny. Did we get... I don't remember if this is a line that we have already had to this point or if it's because I've been watching ahead a little bit. At a certain point, they're talking about something with Samuel. And Sam... It's this concept that we have never heard as the audience before. And Samuel goes, yeah, there's tons of lore on it. And, like, that's his... I feel like we've already had that. Was that episode two or something? Was that one with the shifter baby? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like... Maybe Sam's been replaced with a shifter. Ooh, very fey-coded. Mm. Interesting, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, and for every possibility that we've already seen, mm-hmm. because it's supernatural, yeah. both the TV show and the concept of this is supernatural stuff, there is no hard and fast rules they have to abide by. It's hard to guess because, like, I'm not playing within, like, a typical, a sandbox. typical sandbox. Like, at any point, the writers can be like, this is what I think is, is. and they can do that. Yeah. That's fine because that's how writing a show like this works. Yeah, they can like, be like, hey, guess what, guys? The Loch Ness Monster, she's real now. Yeah. And then three episodes later, they can be like, yeah, we changed our mind. Turns out that demon was lying. Yeah. She's she's a myth. Yeah. You know, and then three seasons later, it's be like, actually, you thought, you know, like, yeah. It's, Uno reverse. Uno reverse. <laughs> there are certain things that it's like, oh, well, it could be that he's gone back to demon blood. That would make logical sense. It could be that, you know, when he got pulled out of hell, he was like, missing a little bit and we already know (laughs) that he was missing a little bit last time he got pulled out of hell you know what i mean and some of that was tied to the demon blood thing oh when dean made a demon deal and pulled him out of hell i was like what what did he what did he lose though you said he well remember how azazel was like how sure are you that what you brought back was 100 percent yeah you know what i mean like or it could just be like a continuation of that because we did see Here's the thing. I don't think they ever actually confirmed if anything really happened with that. I but think like, that was a plot thread that ended mm-hmm. up being dropped because of the season three shenanigans. But here's the thing. They could be re-picking up that plot thread. Because, yes, we never worked out what was happening with Sam last time he got pulled out of hell. But he's just been pulled out of hell for a second time. And whatever was wrong with him back there that led to him ultimately thinking that drinking demon blood was a good morally okay choice. Totally cool and normal. Because also you got to admit, between him going to hell and coming back that first time, he becomes a different character. Yeah, he does have a bit of a shift. He does have a bit of a shift. Out and they point it yeah. out in that season. So it's like, and like, yeah, you could put that down to like the trauma of hell. 
But again, whether or not Sam went to hell when he died yep. that first time is also like we actually technically never get confirmation of where he went, but he went somewhere. Yeah. And he'd come back different, which for me would suggest maybe he went to hell. And then from there, if he goes to hell a second time, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just kind of like the continuation of that. You know, maybe he's secretly a demon now. Like, they're everywhere. <laughs> we kind of know that he's not because he did the whole like cutting his hand and blah, 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 blah thing when, in 601. But like, you know what I mean? Like, there is, it could literally just be the continuation of that plot. Yeah. It's- which would actually probably make a lot of sense. And I think be actually one of the more, more narratively cohesive storylines to follow down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because it's like pre-established. Because pre-established, and it'd be a good way to link the first five seasons to this mm. without doing the obvious linking that they're already doing. I think what is going to be really interesting as we go through this season is seeing how these theories sort of take shape in your mind. Because what I will tell you is that these plot threads all have. Like, they're all kind of intertwined. Mm-hmm. Like, none of them are truly seen. Oh, yeah. No. As I said, I don't... Like, I think the monsters changing is inherently tied to the Sams being pulled out. I think they are inherently linked. And I think it's an issue of balance. We've met death. And death is concerned with balance in the universe. Mm-hmm. When things that are meant to be dead are not currently dead, that's an issue. There are ripple effects. That's a problem. There are ripple effects. And I don't think it's beyond the scope of the imagination to think, the vessel of Lucifer, who's currently meant to be trapped in a cage with Lucifer mm-hmm. and his favourite brother, Adam, obviously, <laughs> maybe that could have an impact on the supernatural beings that are around the world at large. We actually do get an episode this season which really delves into that concept of the ripple effects mm-hmm. of death or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So, like, if this person doesn't die, what does that mean for the broader surroundings and like if they do die how does that impact and so like we actually have an episode that's kind of dedicated to that concept and that idea yeah relatively soon so it's interesting that you brought it up now because that's certainly something that they explore on like a more specific level i also think that i think i'm a bit of an idiot for not saying (laughs) it's like maybe the monsters are moving just because they're getting relocated by samuel he's literally just fucking moving them like I mean, to be fair, the ones from this episode were in Greece and Japan. Like, I don't think he's going international. I could be wrong. Sam and Dean did this episode, which shows how much they love Bobby. Dean got in an aeroplane for him. I know, right? I thought like, that was very cute. Maybe this is our segue out of the general theorizing. The general theorizing section of this podcast. But yeah, so they fly to Scotland. <laughs> and I love the note that... Sam makes the Dean white-knuckled his way through four puke bags and he's like, if anyone was going to try something, I was ready. I had a fork. I'm like, I love you, baby boy. <laughs> as much as it's, like, a little bit out of character for Dean to call, like, Bobby selfish, I definitely think it's, like, it's a good thing, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like they kind of needed this. Like, yes. You they know needed I mean? to like, tip Bobby over the edge so mm-hmm. that he told them where to shove it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, as much as it's kind of, like, just, like, that little bit out of character for Dean to be, like, mm, you're being selfish. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it is important, though, that we got this. Yeah. And actually, I have a note that just says that this episode is such an interesting conversation on perspective. Mm. And I think it comes down to, like, as the audience, we have a perspective of Sam and Dean. And particularly mm-hmm. this season, we are seeing Dean's perspective. Yeah. And we are primarily watching the world and everything that's happening through Dean's perspective. 
And then this episode, Dean and Sam are barely in it. You know, they're obviously doing a hunt separately, Mm -hmm. but we only see them when they call Bobby. And normally we would be so wrapped up in the hunt that they're doing that we're not really paying attention to the fact that they're just randomly calling Bobby and asking for help. Mm. We're like, oh yeah, they're just calling Bobby. We don't think about the fact that Bobby's living a fucking life doing a bunch of other shit. Getting hit on by the next door neighbor. Exactly. I love Marcy so much. She's slightly unhinged though. She's insane. She gives Madison energy. Mm-hmm. Like, But I love her. Here's the thing. Women in Supernatural very rarely have sane responses to things. Her response of like, yeah, no, this is not happening now after fully getting attacked by a monster is probably the most sane response we've ever seen from a female character in Supernatural. The fact that she is standing there covered in blood because Bobby's just shoved a fucking person through her wood chipper. That poor woman. All she wanted was to have a nice dinner with the, you know handyman down the road she brought him a cobbler which bobby looked so happy about by the way and i'm so devastated we never get to see him enjoy it like there's like a c plot this episode which is bobby just trying to eat the cobbler from the moment he gets it like we get him taking it originally then he can't eat it because he has to go down and deal with the demon downstairs then later in the episode we see him get it out of the fridge and go to cut it and then he's interrupted by having to answer the phone and then later in the episode we see him finally sit down with a piece of it go to take a bite only for the phone to ring again and it's like this poor man it's just this through line through the episode of all he's trying to do is sit down and eat this fucking cobbler and do you think he can no justice for bobby Justice for Bobby, honestly. He may keep his cutlery in the wrong fucking drawer, but he still deserves to eat cute homemade meals. Also, the awkward handshake that they do over the cobbler at the front door is literally everything to me. (laughs) Bobby's being an awkward little bean this week. I love him. It's giving everything. I know. Oh, okay. One thing that I did love is... When we have, why should we haven't mentioned it at all yet? Which is shocking to me because usually the first thing you talk about in a Crowley episode is how much you love Crowley. Mm-hmm. I think we have to talk about uh, Bobby and his soul and the whole situation with Crowley. Also, we've like briefly touched on it, but like we get the new law this week that if you burn a demon's bones, they like die, kind of like a ghost. So that's like new law that we should probably sprinkle thankfully in. New law, fun. I'm assuming it. they're not going to forget it. No, this will come back. It seems like the sort of law that will have multiple uses. Yeah. And I think that's not like the best sort of law. They're introducing it mm. for a purpose. I suppose they introduced it this episode just to like kind of prove that it works. Mm. Because obviously like we've had burning your bones for ghosts for seasons. Mm. Like we've had that since season one. Yeah. So this is just kind of to show that it's not just limited to ghosts. Like it can mm. also work on demons. And then that's something that will continue through the series. Like they're establishing new law and it's like, okay, cool. And I think it also kind of gives them... Because now that, like, Crowley is, like, the king of hell or whatever, and he's obviously got a lot of influence, like, I think that they probably introduce it to be, like, he's not undefeatable. It's kind of like the angels, they feel impervious, but they're susceptible to the angel blade. Like, I think they had to give Crowley something so that it's not like, well, he's not completely impervious, like. The key is, though, whether he's impervious or not, he's a fucking icon. He is. I love him. (laughs) I love the moment when... He's doing that whole, like, back and forth. He's like, let's cut this short, shall we? Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm surly and I've got a beard. And, like, he does the, like, Bobby impression. It's so fucking funny. And then Bobby pulls out his son and he's like, oh, so now you're going to do the, like, your soul for my kid. Yeah. Like, not Bobby out here fully weaponizing daddy issues. That's the funniest shit I've ever seen. Well, here's the thing. I feel like he just knows how to ID daddy issues when he sees them. 
Yeah, well, he literally raised Sam and Dean, mm. so he's been around it. And honestly, Bobby is not exempt from daddy issues. Mm. So we'll get to that later. Again, it's the prerequisite for being a hunter. You're so right. Supernatural adjacent trauma. Plus daddy issues. Hunter. That's how it works. Also, while we're on Crowley, I realised there was a quote that I forgot to mention earlier, which kind of falls into what we were just talking about with all the plot lines, but Crowley's full quote is he says, you know the problem with demons, they're stupid lying prats, a lot of them, try to show them a new way, a better way, and what do you get? Bugger all. And then he says, feels good to get that off my chest, we should make this a thing, and I think that's hilarious. But that sort of concept of like Crowley trying to sort of revolutionise the way that hell is He's an innovator. Yeah, and like, there's obviously some pushback Yeah, against the new order, (laughs) I suppose. Sort of similarly, I suppose, to what we've heard from Cass about what's happening in heaven. Like, Raphael wants to put the apocalypse back on track. Yeah. You know, and so Cass is up there saying, Stop making the apocalypse happen. It's not not going to happen. happen. Exactly. And Cass is up there going, no, like, this is our new way. This is the better way. And so it's kind of like a bit of a reflection, I suppose. Mm. They're both sort of having the same argument in different ways. And it's a real shame because I think Cass and Crowley would just get along so well. (laughs) Well, they're both trying to do the same thing, you know. Dean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, like, it's it's interesting. It's, it's fun, fun, though. It's a fun parallel. That they yeah, it, it's fun that, like, Cass is trying to do the same thing with heaven that Crowley's trying to do with hell. But you just know that they fucking hate they each They hate other. each other with the burning passion of a thousand suns. Because as much as they're trying to do the same things in hell and in heaven, they're both trying to do the same thing on earth. <laughs> Fuck Dean. That thing is Dean. <laughs> this is well established. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it is subtextual with Cass, but it is fully in the text with Ka- with Crowley, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like barely subtext with Cass. Yeah. Like, it's pretty explicit. Oh, speaking of lore, mm-hmm. I also wanted to touch on the fact that we get to see the first instance of, like, the demon, like, contract mm-hmm. for a soul. So we know that there actually is a formal contract yeah. that is established, even though people don't necessarily And that's probably know. why they have to make out of it. Like, making out is what puts it transfers the energy or whatever yeah so i thought that that was really interesting and also that he's like you didn't read the contract and but he specified that crowley only had to make his best effort to give bobby his soul back i think that's so funny it's like such a bureaucratic way of being like it's like finding the most loopholiest loophole yeah and i do think that's very fun i also loved the invisible ink devil's trap and Again, with Crowley being, like, overtly sexual this episode, but the line about, I hope that's paint, like... Also, the other line that comes to mind is when he's talking about the contract and he's like, that bit's on your privates. Oh, yeah. Also, we have a line at some point where I think maybe Bobby, like, someone says, check your wang, and I have no idea what... Like, like does that mean the same thing in America as it does in Australia? Like, maybe not. Because I didn't write any context around my note. I just wrote check your wang question mark. But I'm feeling like maybe there's a different Yeah, we're, t- we're not going to give you the Australian definition. But I, like, I think it's pretty obvious from context. Like, <laughs> what does that mean in America? Tell us. Also, just off of that, I really loved Bobby offering Crowley a drink. I think that's hilarious. It's like this kind of like, oh, you've come into my home. Would you like a beverage? And it's like so whack to see it happening between Bobby and Crowley of all characters. And like the fact that Crowley rebuffs him is like honestly both hilarious, rude, and iconic. Do we think that Bobby's treatment of 
Crowley, this episode has now reneged any goodwill earned to him by slipping in the time. <laughs> I think it may have. Also, the montage we get of Bobby like breaking into the library and bits and pieces, number one, I think is very fun. I think, oh, actually, we should probably mention, I think Jim Beaver did a fantastic mm-hmm. job this whole episode. This is what I've been saying. He should just be the main character on the show. Yeah, he's so good. Like, and choice- This was so much more interesting than the average episode of Supernatural. Like... <laughs> And the choice in song that they use, it's called The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, and it is such a fun choice. I think it works perfectly overlaying that montage. It's, like, just the right beat, like, and tone, and it's just a bit, I don't know, it's like about it. It's just, like, sits so well. Oh, I did want to talk about the fact that Sam can ID a croc scale, but not that single floor. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, mm. so this is where your, like, ID skills, like, lose out, Sam? Yeah. Like, this is what we're doing? Okay, and then we get the fucking dial-up noises. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> fully killed me. I was, I was like, like did it throw you back. The fucking dial-up was, it was a choice. I understand that it wasn't really a choice because that's just what the internet sounded like back then. Yeah, it wasn't actually a choice. It was just life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one other thing that I fucking love was Sam. Again, fighting for his fucking life while Dean is having a relatively normal conversation. Like, Dean on the phone with Bobby, and Bobby's, like, trying to, in code, tell him how to take out this mm-hmm. monster. Like, first of all, I think that was genius. Yeah. And second of all, the fact that it's interspersed with shots of Sam being, like, thrown against walls, mm-hmm. and while Dean just kind of, like, cringes, is literally so funny. Yeah. It's iconic. I love it. That's Carver behaviour right there. Mmm. Oh, does this mean that um, Darb and Carver are on the same team? Uh, this is getting too convoluted. <laughs> We'll we'll revisit it in their areas. We'll deal with Gamble. And who Gamble's friends are. Yeah, and then once we've finished Gamble, we'll worry about Carver, because Carver is next era. Yeah. So he's the up-and-comer. So now we're going to start looking for the Jeremy Carver long con. Like, what's he (laughs) baking in to these next two seasons so that when he... Actually, yeah, we should keep an eye out for that. We should look at his episodes. Murders, I mean, you know, eventually replaces... Sarah Gamble. Ah, uh, yes. In the same way that Sarah Gamble was definitely not plotting to murder Eric Kripke yeah. and take over his TV show. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> I only have one thing left that I really want to talk about. Do you have much else? I don't actually have too much else. So the last thing that I want to talk about is the conversation that Dean has with Bobby that like tips Bobby over the edge. Mm-hmm. I feel like we kind of skimmed around it, yeah. but it kind of requires, I guess, or mm. it necessitates its own specific And at least deserves it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to read out the quotes that I took and then we can maybe jump around them. Mm-hmm. But Dean says, you're the one person I can talk to about this stuff, about Sam, about leaving Lisa and Ben. But don't worry, I get it. I'm bearing my soul like a freaking girl here, which, side note, men are allowed to have feelings. Anyway. Um, other than being stupid and horny? <laughs> other than being horny, yeah. But you've got stuff to do. That's fine. A little selfish is not all about you. And that's when Bobby fucking snaps, as is his God-given right. And he makes sure that Sam and Dean are both present. Dean puts him on speaker. And then Bobby says, I love you like my own. I do. But sometimes, heavy drink of alcohol, sometimes you two are the whiniest, most self-absorbed sons of bitches I ever met. I'm selfish? Me? I do everything for you. Everything. You need some law, someone to pull your asses out of the fire, to bitch about, to each other. And then he finishes up by saying, you're not the centre of the universe. And... Kind of canonically untrue. Yeah, but I think that's really interesting because like I was saying before, like this episode is all about shifting the perspective Mm -hmm. because yeah, for the audience, actually, narratively, 
Sam and Dean very much are the centre of the universe and everyone else around them are just like NPCs that have either loaded or not loaded depending on proximity. I think that's blatantly untrue. Oh. Sam and Dean are not the centre of the universe. Dean is the centre of the universe. You're so right. Yeah. Sam is there. Sam is there. Slightly to the left of the centre of the universe. (laughs) It's kind of baked in. Mm -hmm. And so it's so interesting because Bobby is reminding the boys, but also reminding the audience, and like the entirety of this episode kind Mm -hmm. of serves to remind the audience that just because the part of the story that we are are focused in on is specific to exactly what is happening in nearest proximity to Sam and Dean, Mm -hmm does not mean that everyone else goes into some sort of fucking stasis and just stops existing and stops living their lives Mm. when Sam and Dean aren't around. And it is so easy to forget that because of the way that Supernatural is structured and because of the way that Sam and Dean as protagonists are portrayed. Because it really is sort of like, whenever they're talking to Bobby, it's in relation to what is happening to them. Mm. If If they're calling for Cass, they're calling Cass in relation to whatever is happening to them. If they're summoning Crowley, they're summoning Crowley in relation to whatever is happening to them. Mm-hmm. And they never really seem to put much thought into the concept of Cass is in the middle of a civil war. Crowley's in the middle of a civil war. Bobby's still trying to get his motherfucking soul back. Like, they seem to forget that other people around them also are doing things. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for the audience to forget that as well because we don't see it. Mm-hmm. We only see Dean and sometimes Sam's much more narrow perspective. And unfortunately, what we don't get to see, it's Crowley's good doggos. <laughs> I love them so much. I know I, you do. I know we get names and I'm very excited for that. Like, I don't know what to call them until then, but I'm very excited for that. I know you are. The other thing that is so fucking funny to me is the use of the Kenny Rogers song in this episode. It is so funny. And it's funny for reasons that you don't know. It is something that I can't tell you because it is a leverage spoiler. Mm. But it's like, it's very fun. It's very fitting. I always think it's really funny to see, like, what songs did the CW spend their money on? Actually, do you know what's really interesting about that? The music used, especially in season one, where we watch it on streaming services, is different to the music used in season one if you watch the DVDs. Oh. Yeah. Because the DVD versions have the original music that they licensed, but the streaming services don't want to pay for it because it's too expensive to Mm. continue playing it. So they changed Choose a similar song that gives a similar effect, but yeah. is not necessarily recognizable or famous. Yeah. So the music in, I think it is, I want to say it's exclusively season one, but mm-hmm. I might be wrong in that. But yeah, the music is different. I have a feeling it's because it season one actually aired on a different network because the CW didn't exist until 2006. Mm-hmm. And Supernatural obviously started airing in 2005. Yeah. So I think it, I'm pretty sure it is just season one and I have a feeling it may have been that turnover. Yeah. That sort of was the instigator or the like defining point. Mm. But Maybe I'm not 100% that, like, on had that. more money for yeah. licensing music. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure it's something around that time. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to point out in this episode that I think, again, we talked about Crowley and he kind of feels like boot like Crowley. And I want to return to this point because I feel like we kind of glossed over it and we didn't go back. The reason that I say he feels like boot like Crowley is they established that Crowley was a tailor. Mm. Why the fuck was he so mad about his tailor being eaten if he's literally a fucking tailor? I was actually like, wondering the same thing during the episode, and I didn't bring it up because I was like, it feels kind of irrelevant. But yeah, like I was having the same thought. I was like, okay, but like, so he could just fix his own clothes. And I get it because yeah. like he's king of hell and he's like, quote unquote, above it. But like, also, it immediately makes that whole thing less important. Mm. 
Look, I don't think I actually have too much else to add. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think I'm all finished with my notes in any case. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Jamie, how would you rate season six, episode four, Weekend at Bobby's, out of five? I think I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. Really? I really enjoyed it. I was so much higher than I was expecting. I was thinking of four. Were you, how would you rate this episode out of five? It's probably a four. Oh, like I yeah. So do I like this episode more than you, or do we just inherently rate things differently? I think that it might be just because like I miss Dean. Yeah. And like there's no Whereas cast. I'm like I'm living for the fact that we've got Bobby this You're entire like, time. You're like this is secondary characters the episode. Yeah, like I yeah. love secondary characters. Like and so do I, but I'm all what about I secondary characters, you know what I mean? Like to be fair, I feel like it's like a low four point five, like I feel like it's a four point two five. Yeah, but I want to give it more than a four because I've given other episodes a four that I inherently enjoyed less. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, it feels wrong to give it a four. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure you're rating it highly because the vibes in this episode are pretty impeccable. Yeah. Like, it's very fun. We get a bunch of secondary characters. There's lots of banter. Like, it's upbeat. It's also, like, foundationally something that impacts the way you look at the rest of the show like mm-hmm. it is very interesting from like a meta perspective without being like like a lot of episodes that are interesting from a meta perspective like faith for example yeah are interesting from a meta perspective but right. only if you know where it's going retrospectively yeah. like this is interesting from a meta perspective from the first viewing because this is looking at okay well what's life like for people on the periphery yeah of the winchester brothers mm-hmm. i think i think it's just very fun the next episode is titled Live Free or Twy Hard. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, or predictions? I mean, vampires are almost extinct. I'm not going to be vampires <laughs> again. I think that someone who is obsessed with the movie series Twilight is going to become an actual vampire. Oh. I think I think Intentionally that's... or... <laughs> the way you phrased that was not clear like i don't know if they've necessarily intentionally gone out to become like a like try and become a vampire here's here's my pitch for the oh my episode. god i love it okay okay so you have this twilight right and then this vampire is like you know how we had that episode where the vampire was like i need my vampire family black blah blah blah, blah yeah blah. that was weird yeah and was weird so they turn this twilight fan right and then they're expecting the Twilight Hat fan to like freak out and that. And they don't because they're a Twilight fan. But the vampire doesn't know this. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the Twilight fan's bedroom and the vampire's standing there going, I've made a mistake. Because <laughs> there's like posters in that everywhere. Because I did see that in the soon. Oh, I've we heard have that. seen this in the soon. Like, mm, here's the thing I don't soon. know what else was in the soon, but I do think that the scenes of it looks like bootleg Twilight. Here's the thing. I don't mind. I mean, Twy Hard is in the name. Yeah. I will tell you. Do you remember seasons ago when we made a joke about Twilight and you were like, wait, is Twilight canon in Supernatural? And I was like, yeah. yes, we have canon confirmation of Twilight. Obviously. Yes, we have an entire episode that canon confirms Twilight. <laughs> so is it actual Twilight or is it bootleg Twilight? I mean, I don't want to go into the actual plot. Yeah. But it's certainly themed around the popularity of Twilight and the uh, ramifications but of that. But is the book series actually Twilight? Like, do we get pictures and posters of, like, Robert Pattinson? Oh, okay. I don't know if we get that explicitly. Okay. But it's certainly, like, you know what they're talking yeah. about. Anywho, the next question is, do you think Cass will be in next week's episode? Unfortunately, no. Okay. I do, however, think it would be fucking hilarious if he was. 
for any particular reason or here's the thing i i would pay well i would pay this is a joke to me <laughs> this is a joke but i would pay actual money to see cass interact with becky like i think that chaos <laughs> energy would be so fucking funny you're so right like you know what i mean yeah oh, yeah. yeah do we I... ever see that do we like no spoilers but spoilers no i know it's actually a crime. It's a shame. It's a crime. It's I a think it would be shame. so funny because mm-hmm. I think Becky would be like, you have to understand that much like the television show, the books are written from the brother's perspective. Yeah. So when you're describing Cass, it's often from Dean's perspective. Yeah. Which ha- does lead to characters meeting Cass and going, huh, you look different to how I imagined <laughs> Just mm. something about, like, a fangirl meeting cast. Like, that... So iconic. Yeah, so fun. Like, Look, random we'll... question, did anyone ever actually write, like, the the in-universe, like, supernatural books? Like... I don't know. Because that's a missed merch opportunity. I want... We could buy them. That would be fun. <laughs> would the supernatural books be considered strong content? I mean, surely. I mean, if it, the issue is promotional content, then surely... <laughs> Pivot the podcast. We're no longer talking about the TV show. We're now promoting the book. Would the supernatural anime be considered struck content? Unfortunately. That's very funny though. Anyway, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so very much for listening. Hopefully you had as much fun listening as we have had recording. If you are looking to interact with us in any other way other than having us blurb in your ear for an hour or so every week, you can always find us on any of our social medias and Possible topics of conversation could include... How much money would you pay to see Cass and Becky interact? Ooh, that's a fun one. Okay. Um, you can come and talk to me in the spoiler chats about what your thoughts were about the season six plot lines at this point. I'm interested to see what people were thinking, if it was similar to what Jamie's thinking or if it was something completely different. Oh, do you class, like, the Dean is suspicious and Sam is mysteriously back from the dead as the same plot line? Mm. I'd maybe again put that in the spoiler chat. <laughs> well, whether or not people think they're interlinked. Beth. Yeah. They are clearly interlinked. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, I do know that that. Dean is suspicious because Sam is back from the dead. Well, There's no way you, in hell those two things are not connected. the question. No, but, like, in terms of, like, when you're classifying the storylines in your head, oh. are they the same storyline or okay. are they just two linked storylines? Sure. Does that sure. make sense? Yes. Sure. I was like, I thought this was established, but if you don't know about that, then maybe we won't talk about it. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, well, I don't know, Dean Jamie. I'm really suspicious because Sam is back from the dead and Sam is different now. But the fact that Sam is different now is inherently linked to the fact he's back from the dead. Like, that's like being like, hmm, I left this milk out of the fridge all day. Now it smells kind of funny. I don't know if those two things are connected. <laughs> what an example. You know what I mean? Anyway. Listen, this example, Sam is the milk. <laughs> and hell is the fridge. Well, I suppose Earth is the fridge. Hell is the kitchen bench. But then you would have put him back in the fridge. If he's on the bench currently, he's on Earth currently. I was more thinking, like, the fact that it was on the bench is what led to it being weird. mm. So then if you have him in the fridge, which would be Earth, then he's not going to go weird. But if you put him on the bench, Mm. he ends up weird. Mm. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Sam is milk. Anyway, thank you so very much for listening. And hopefully we have you back next week for Season 6, Episode 5, Live Free or Twy Hard. Bye!
what? Did I forget something? No. You're not going to say goodbye? What? I I feel like you're gaslighting me right now. <laughs> I what? You're just looking at me like I'm forgetting something. What did I forget? I did the wrap up. I didn't mention the survey. <laughs> I told people what to talk to us about. I told them to find us on the socials. What did I, what did I, what did I forget? Bye. I hate you. <laughs> did I forget something or not?